Well, a big one, obviously, is setting and enforcing limits. And that starts way younger than we might anticipate as new parents. We think, oh, little baby, aren't they cute? Well, within about 13 to 18 months, their favorite word is no. Yes. And now it's game on. Yes, game on. Welcome to the Lost Art of Parenting podcast with uh, myself, Dr. Douglas Peake, and the Honorable Kim Cross Parenting Expert. Hey, it's great to be here. And we are here for a couple of purposes, right, Doug? Yes, we are. We are here to educate, to encourage, and entertain. So we have lots of information to share with folks out there about parenting. Yes, and this is just kind of the first few podcasts in this specific area. And what we're trying to do right now is get off to a good start, lay a really good foundation on podcast number one. We introduced ourselves. And today we want to help you, the parent, discover what what your job is. You have a little job description and we would like to kind of go over that. We introduced it last podcast. We did. And so what are some of the things, Kim, that you believe are in the parent job description? Well, first of all, I want to start with most parents haven't thought about that job description. That is correct. Right? So we have a baby and we say, now what? And we just kind of take it day by day. But there is a definite job description so that as you navigate your job as a parent, you are heading towards specific goals and you know what is your job and what isn't your job. Oh, and we talked a little bit about it. Is you have to know what your goal is. What, what is a parental goal? I mean, what should a parent think about if they really want to be inspired to be a good parent? What should their goal be? Their goal is to launch a independent, respectful, awesome kid at the age of 18. Okay. But a lot of parents have either the attitude of, oh, they'll be here with me for the rest of my life because I don't want them to go, or mm -hmm. I can't wait till they turn 18 and I can kick them out. Yeah. <laughs> Neither one of those are good. Neither right? one of those are good. Okay. So my goal as a parent was that I had a lifelong relationship with my kids so that mm. we always had a respectful, loving, communicative relationship for the rest of my life. Um, and that I was launching a, a good person into the world. So I like to start with the first thing that a parent needs to think about is it's their job to teach and show love. That's where kids first understand what love is. Okay. Starting very young, actually, in the first year of life. Secondly, it's to keep our kids safe. Keep our kids safe. Which is a legal and moral <laughs> obligation. Yes. Yeah, it is an obligation and you should take it as a parent. <laughs> Number three is to provide for their needs. Yes. So obvious, you know, food, shelter, clothing, things like that. But we're going to get into a lot more needs today mm -hmm. and then make sure they get an education. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We need to educate our children. That is correct. Yep. And morals, values, and perseverance. Yes. Parents are the moral code for kids or they get it someplace else. And I'm telling you, Doug, you know this. If you go to the culture for morality and values. Oh, that's a lose-lose. Not good. Yeah. And you know what else is interesting about that is I believe that morals and values are caught more than taught. Absolutely. You're exemplifying them as a parent. Yep. You're their role model. Yes. Yep. And talk about them. Don't just assume they get it. Correct. Correct. Give your opinion on things. That's not yes. being judgmental. That's teaching morality and right from wrong and your values. Yes, so and you should do that as a parent. And think about these things as you start to think about, wow, what's my goal for my kids as a parent now? 
think about, wow, this is some of the things that should be in my goal statement, my goal values of what I'm trying to achieve. Exactly. So what else is there besides morals, values, and perseverance? Well, a big one, obviously, is setting and enforcing limits. And that starts way younger than we might anticipate as new parents. We think, oh, little baby, aren't they cute? Well, within about 13 to 18 months, their favorite word is no. Yes. And now it's game on. Yes, game on. (laughs) And then the last one I put is prepare your kids for independent life. Mm. We have way too many kids that get out into the real world, they're not prepared, and they rebound back. And now we've got all kinds of issues that we'll talk again more about later today. Yeah, and so these are the basic uh, things to kind of consider as you are developing your goal as a parent. If you want to launch healthy, respectful kids. Last week in the first podcast, we talked about how if you just try to be your kid's friend, or you try to live vicariously mm. through them, uh, it messes everything up. You And it creates a lot of suffering and pain in your own life. It, co- it creates a lot of suffering pain in their lives. Absolutely. But if you write a really good goal, it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be laborious, but just a simple statement of, hey, I want to launch some really great adults into the world. Mm -hmm. And you think about these types of things. So let's say you set a goal and you kind of uh, adopted this. How do you get started? What are some of the basic things? I mean, you always talk about like four critical things every parent should kind of think about as they start to put their parenting strategy together. Yes. So what I call the four critical needs of kids, I liken to the fact that we all need air to breathe. Yes. So if you cut off somebody's air, yes, they're going to fight you tooth and nail to get that need met, mm-hmm. right? Well, kids will do the same thing. They will actually put you and or themselves in harm's way to get those critical needs met. Mm. So those four critical needs are a sense of security. Security. Okay. Second is unconditional love and affection. Mm-hmm. Okay. Third is a sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. And fourth is a healthy amount of control. Mm-hmm. Not too much control. That's right. <laughs> and, and We've all seen how that works. Yeah, that doesn't work really well. Well, let's kind of go through these one at a time so that you as parents can really get a feel for what these critical needs are like and how you as a parent can fulfill them. So the first one is security. Let's talk a little bit about that. Okay, so we're going to unpack the definition first, and then I'll give some kind of concrete tips of what that looks like and how to do that in your home for your kids. So number one, the definition of security obviously is feeling, feeling safe, right? Yes. But it's also having one's basic needs met and having predictable routines and schedules, Mm -hmm. something that you can anticipate and count on. Yeah. So predictable routines and schedules are great, but what people don't realize is part of that security is predictable responses from parents. Mm. So if you you know say yes to something on a Monday and they ask you the same question on Friday and you you know bark at them, that's unpredictable. If you change the rules and boundaries and expectations that you have, that's very a big feeling of insecurity. And then the other one is clear, consistent rules and expectations. You can't be inconsistent. Can't be inconsistent. It causes chaos, confusion, and insecurity. Don't over-promise and under-deliver as a parent. You know, never ends well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I remember the story of a guy who was uh, working with his son who was like 11 years old and his son was just driving him nuts in the garage. And he says, son, if you don't knock that off, I'm going to throw you through that window. 
you know? And so he didn't knock it off. And then he realized, oh my goodness, I got to follow through on what I say. And the son didn't knock it off. So he goes over there and he picks his son up, you know, it's like, well, I got to throw him. And then right then mom, thank goodness, walks out and goes, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> he goes, I'm going to throw him through the window. And he goes, no, you're not. Well, I'm trying to be consistent. Oh my goodness, you Neanderthal. Yeah. So it, it's sort of like saying you're grounded for life. Yeah, don't don't say those things because you, you your can't kids. Do it. <laughs> yeah, you can't do it. You can't do it. Tell, no, so so because you don't want to be throwing your kids through a window because no. you've overpromised. What kind? Of, what about consequences and accountability? How does that work? Well, there has to be consequences and accountability for actions, or they don't learn yeah. what needs to be done. Now, most right? people interpret that as negative consequences, but that's not what you're talking about. You're talking about every action has a consequence and you want to make sure that you connect the two. So positive reinforcement is just as important or more important than negative. Absolutely. And there's a difference between punishment and consequence. Okay. Punishment says, I'm going to make you pay. You're probably going to not like me because of it. And I'm going to make you pay from the outside in. Okay. Consequences should be followed by empathy first, which Mm. diffuses a lot of that emotion and Mm -hmm. says, look, I feel your pain, but I'm not going to bail you out. Mm. And I'm not going to punish you. You're going to feel the impact of your decisions and learn from that. So a consequence is a good thing. It's like you're driving down the road and a cop pulls you over and says, hey, do you know how fast you were going? And you say, yeah, I have no idea. And he says, yeah, neither do I. Have a great day. Yeah. Nobody's learning anything, right? Nobody's learning anything there. And I always ask people, have you ever gotten a speeding ticket? Most people kind of sheepishly say yes. Yes. And I say, do you remember where you were? And they say, absolutely. Isn't that interesting? Mm. So you remember that. Yeah, you remember that. And you learn from that. And every time you drive past that place, you probably slow down a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) That's where I go that ticket, yeah. That's good. So consequences in what most people don't realize from a metaphysical standpoint is a parent-child relationship is that consequences are critical to moral and character development within human beings. Absolutely. And I always say if parenting or if life is learning, parenting is teaching. Yeah. So con- let the consequences do the teaching. Let the consequences, yeah. Right, and mm-hmm. let allow them to understand cause and effect between their decisions and and the outcome. Yeah. That's a good thing for yeah. kids. It could save their life someday. Yeah. Right? Well, you know, my son, uh, the, one of the funny stories that we like to entertain a little bit that I tell oftentimes is uh, my wife likes candles, you know, scented candles. And my son, I think, was like four or five years old, and he'd learn how to climb. And he, he actually climbed up uh, on the stools onto the island in the kitchen where the candle, where the was. candle was burning, <laughs> you know? And, and so I had come around the corner and he was, you know, mesmerized by this flame and he had his finger kind of going towards it, you know? And I'm just sitting there going, well, I'm going to just go for it. I'm watching it. <laughs> I'm right here. Yeah. He's not going to have an accident, but it's, he's got to learn, you yep. know, fire's hot. Yep. <laughs> you got to yep. learn that. And if you don't learn that, then you're going to have problems. Because you can tell them all day long. I can tell them all day long. Don't play with it. Don't do it. But he was at that age. I don't know, four, four years old, I suppose. And so but what was so funny about it is from the other side, you know, you could enter into the kitchen from two different right. parts of the house is my wife walks in at the same time when he, I think his finger was touching the flame and she screamed and he screamed and I laughed. <laughs> Probably made a bigger impact. That I know. Way. <laughs> and he's not, I don't think he ever played the fire ever again. <laughs> oh, that's great. 
So what's the last, what's some of the, the last thing about security that's really important for kids to have? Relationship. Okay. We have to have healthy relationships, quality time together, and that you become what I call irresistible. There's a yeah. strong bond there. Yeah. Because without relationship, the rest of what I have to share in this entire series podcast probably yeah. won't stick very well. Right. So relationship is key. That's the foundation. Yeah. And, you know, in uh, the Bible... Jesus is quoted as saying, honor your mother and father. And then Paul picks up on this in the book of Ephesians says, honor your mother and father. Uh, it's one of the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, honor your mother and father. And I think one of the most important things that we can do as human beings is make it possible and easier for our children to honor us as parents. That's yeah. that's very important because if a parent, if a child doesn't have the capacity to honor and respect, then they don't feel secure in the world. That's right. And if all you're doing is commanding, you know, and demanding all the time and do this and don't do that, and it's very authoritative, there's really no relationship, Yeah. right? Yeah. But if you're just having fun, you're not teaching and there is no honor or respect. Right. So it's a, it's a, it's a balance between the two. So have quality time together, but also expect consistency in your rules and the adherence to those and, and yeah. consequences are part yeah. of that. So, so this basic need is security. And so what do kids do when they feel insecure? Oh my goodness. When kids are insecure, it makes them full of anxiety. They are um, fearful. Mm -hmm. They will not take healthy risks. Um, they typically feel, um, in not confident, but also incompetent. Okay. So there's a lot of backlash to all those things. Um, so I, I like to talk about how do you practically implement some of these ideas of security yeah. into the daily security? life of a kid? Yeah. How do you do that? Right. So obviously establish clear and consistent rules and talk about them often. It's not a one and done. Okay. Right. So what your rules are for a three-year-old are very different from a 13-year-old. Sure. Okay. And then establish those clear limits and, and explain some of the consequences, not all. I always say don't, you don't want to forewarn because okay. forewarned is forearmed. <laughs> so be careful of how much you go yeah. into that. Maintain predictable routines and schedules. And one of my big things that people think is kind of old-fashioned is make sure you have a calendar in your kid's room. Okay. Because it shows them like a month at a glance, mm -hmm. and they can be writing down dentist appointments. Maybe they're bouncing between two houses when mm -hmm. they're with mom, when they're with dad, when their soccer game is, when their homework's due, when the last day of vacation, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. We as adults look at calendars all day long. Mm -hmm. Kids don't really do that as much as we do. They're kind of along for the ride, mm -hmm. and this gives them a sense of some control and predictability yeah. in their life so they can anticipate. They can anticipate yeah. that. Yeah, You know, the other thing I'm a big advocate is, is that uh, you eat dinner together at the same time every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as often as possible, it should be at least four to five times a week. Week, yeah. Absolutely. That's one of the biggest things that kids will remember yes. as bonding time with a family. Yes. And it should be relaxed and fun and no a phones. lot of community. No phones, no TVs. Oh, sit yeah. around the thing called a table. We can we can define that later. Yes. Okay. You've forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> Have dinner together. Yes. 
and enjoy each other. Enjoy each other. Right. Yeah. What's going on? How's it going? Exactly. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, sure. What else can you, the parents do to have really good security in their kids? Predictable responses from parents is key. So what I call is approachability. Okay. So they're willing to approach you, whether it's some minor little scratch on their finger or something really big that's happening in their life or at school. Mm-hmm. So if they can approach you with anything they're, they have the sense of security that you're not going to be ripping their head off for something, yelling and screaming, blowing it off, ignoring it, overreacting. Yeah. It's, it's a, oh, wow, we've got an issue here. Let's talk about it. That's yes. very, very intriguing to a kid that says, wow, I can trust them with anything and mm-hmm. they can handle anything. Mm-hmm. The little mm-hmm. things don't throw them into a tailspin. So the big ones probably won't either. Yeah. That's a huge rock of Gibraltar for that child to to sit on. Yes. That's a big deal. Yes. The other one is give positive feedback and encouragement and schedule one-on-one time together. Mm. Our world is very critical. Um, Peers can be critical. Parents Mm -hmm. can be critical. And I think we've raised the bar for some kids for grades and achievement and looks and everything else to the point where it's almost unachievable. And we forget that they need a lot of positive encouragement, especially in today's world. Yeah. And that one-on-one time with a parent is paramount. Mm-hmm. We, we, in my opinion, I think kids are spending too much time with peers. Too much time with peers mm-hmm. and not enough with their parents. Yes, because yeah. they're at school all day with peers. They're Correct. in sports with peers. Yes. Oftentimes after school or on weekends, they're with peers. And a peer, the definition of a peer is I'm your say, same age with the same amount of wisdom, Yeah, which isn't much. Yeah, which is not a whole lot. <laughs> so if I'm a boy learning to become a man, I need to spend time with? Men. Yes. And yeah. same with girls and women. Yeah. So parents have a lot of wisdom. I think we underestimate the power we have. Yes. And so let your kids have time with peers. I get it. Mm-hmm. But you also need to carve out time for, so they spend time with you. Yeah. That's very, very important. So, yeah. and these things will really produce security within a person. And then the next, the next thing that in this, in the job, basic job description of a parent is you said is unconditional love. This mm-hmm. is one of the n- core or primary needs of children as they mature. Let's talk about that for a moment. Okay. So unconditional love just means you're accepted. It doesn't mean I always agree with you, mm-hmm. but you're accepted for who you are. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's no strings attached. It's not based on what you look like, how well you do in your sport or play your musical instrument. It has nothing to do with that. In fact, I used to tell my son, look, you can get straight A's or straight F's. It doesn't change how I feel about you. Mm-hmm. It's going to change the trajectory of your life and the yeah. quality of your life, yeah. but it doesn't change how I feel about you. Right. Okay. So empathy um, is a big piece of unconditional love because mm-hmm. Um, it's empathy and consequences, again, not punishment. Punishment right. feels conditional. Like you didn't make the grade, so I'm going to make you pay a price. Yeah. That, that's that's that doesn't work not well. unconditional. Love, yeah. Right. And then physical touch, um, focusing on the ec- essence of the person, not their performance mm-hmm. or their looks or mm-hmm. anything like that. And then trying to solve problems that come up in a family not trying to fix the person. Mm-hmm. That's a big difference yeah, between yeah. conditional and unconditional love. Yeah, fix the problem or work on the problem, but I'm not here to fix you. Correct. You're not, yeah. Correct. And actually, yeah. when parents respond differently, 
kids change. Yeah. Instead of focusing on the kid. Yeah. Right. And yeah. the other the other one that you've talked about in the past is uh, healthy touch. Healthy you know? touch. Healthy touch and affection. And this is something that I'd I'd like to speak to our audience about is is if you're a, a man and you're listening to this and that is is that. Uh, due to how everything is just so weird in our society today, the most important thing that you can do with your kids is to hold them, uh, to, to wrestle with them on the floor. If they're boys, if they're girls, you wrestle a little bit differently, you know, in the sense that you can't, you know, power drive them or anything like that. <laughs> boys, they love that stuff. But girls are like, don't hurt me. But, but even as your boys get older, you know, you should stand and, uh, uh, one of the things that I did a lot of times as my sons were growing is I, they would stand in front of me and I'd always put my hands on their shoulders in I front did, of me. I did the same thing. Yeah. My, mine had to sit, though. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, <laughs> a little taller. Yeah, your son's pretty tall. Um, but in uh, my daughter, you know, I always had her, I'd always put my arm around her, you know, or I would hold her hand. And I would, and it's very important because, you know, men are being isolated. They're being marginalized. And you're like, okay, what do I do? Is this going to be weird? Throw all that stuff out the window and just say, hey, God, use me to really bless my daughter and my son and affection from a man is very very important it you know make sure it's appropriate right you know nothing inappropriate but but just you know put your hand on their head put your hand on their shoulder you got to teach your daughter how a guy should touch her or not what's respectful and what's not she's not going to learn that anywhere except for her dad that's right and Physical touch is a critical need of all yeah. people. We know that from infants being left alone, they don't thrive. They right? do not thrive. And that doesn't go away. So people say, oh, well, they're teenagers. It doesn't matter. There yeah. should be some form of touch coming and going mm-hmm. to school. I always hugged my kid on the way out yeah. and I gave him a big hug on the way in, whether they liked it or not. not yeah. And if they're sitting, eating a snack, I did. I did the same thing you did. I kind of sneak up behind them, right? Or yeah. just a touch on the shoulder. Isn't it powerful how it lingers for a while? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so, yeah, yeah, that's uh, unconditional love is so critical. And so, I want there's a couple more. And before we run out of time, I'd like us to be able to talk about them. Let's talk about belonging. Why is belonging a, a critical need in uh, in the life of a child? And how can oh, a parent facilitate that? It's huge in today's culture. I think mm-hmm. that's one of the biggest things we're missing, okay. despite the social media quote unquote connection out there. Yeah, it doesn't exist. It's a fraud. It is a fraud. So, so belonging, how does that work for a child? Well, it means I am valued and needed and I'm a part of this family. Okay. Okay. So they depend on me to some degree. I'm important. I'm accepted. We have some common uh, things, things in common and some common traits and values, but I'm connected to the group. And believe it or not, this is done through chores. Chores. Because it That's gives right. the child a sense of purpose and That's the right. sense of belonging is, wow, they really depend on me. They need me. And I mm-hmm. feel good about what I'm contributing to the benefit of the family. Yeah. And a lot of kids don't have chores anymore. They don't, they lack that sense of belonging. And that's why your your family sometimes feels emotionally disconnected. Correct. There's, they're not partnering and making anything happen. They're not working toward yeah. a common goal that yeah. benefits the group. Absolutely. And interestingly enough, people who have the greatest sense of belonging typically grew up on a farm. Mm. So people really, truly yeah. depended on, did you gather the eggs? Did you milk the cows? Did yeah. you, you know, whatever. And the other part that um, may be a surprise to people is that a sense of belonging is connected to academic achievement. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I will talk about it another time, but I like to joke that 
um, chores are yucky, repetitive, difficult, boring, and I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. What's homework? Yeah, yucky, repetitive, <laughs> difficult, boring, and I don't want to do, do it. it. Okay, what can your job be? Yeah. <laughs> Never. It's always that way. So that's a huge piece yeah. of the puzzle. Well, and one of the things I think that's so important about that as well is uh, you, belonging has a lot to do with security, right? Mm-hmm. And it's connected to unconditional love. And so what's fascinating about belonging is that uh, it teaches us uh, our emotional EQ goes up. Yes. And we feel valued. I mean, you can be part of a school, a family, a sports team, a music band, marching band. That's great. But it doesn't just mean show up, wear the uniform or wear the hat and say, yeah, I'm a part of the group. Unless you're participating, you're depended on, you're needed, you're valued, Mm -hmm. and you have those common goals in place. Mm -hmm. That's not belonging. Yeah, and I think another way to instill belonging within your kids is not just through chores, but one of the things you said earlier is that it's important to have some rules or expectations and talk about them often. And one of the things that we used to do with our kids a lot is that when we would talk about something, you know, they, you, as a parent, you're going to experience this 100%, I guarantee you, is that your kid is going to ask you permission to do something and they're going to say, you're going to say no, or I'm uncomfortable with that. And then the first thing they're going to say to you is, well, Johnny's mom lets him do it. You know, my friends do it all the time and blah, 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 blah. Probably the biggest argument you'll have with your kid is when your nine-year-old wants a cell phone and you're like, no, you say (laughs) all my friends have them. Well, I think the thing is, is that we use this not as a, you know, instead of being defensive, what we would say, our last name is Peak, and we'd say, well, that's true, but you're a peak. That's right. And it doesn't fit our value that's system. That's right. You're a peak, and that's not what peaks do. Which sets yeah. you apart. It makes you belong, and it makes you yeah. feel special. That's right. I'm on, oh, I'm on Team Peak. That's right. That's my family. And, you know, like, sometimes we would uh, do things, or we would deviate like we'd be somewhere like uh like one time i think we were at the fair and have you ever been at the fair you know i mean there's trash everywhere right oh yeah and so one of our kids drops trash and so we go okay we're gonna go pick that up and we're gonna go pick up some more you know my wife was really good at seeing that stuff and so we're gonna go pick up some more trash and we're gonna throw it away and they go why there's trash everywhere Dad. everybody else is Every, doing it's it. all, i go because we're peaks mm-hmm. you know and peaks don't litter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we don't do that. It sets a higher standard, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And then one time I threw an apple core out the window and my kids were like, <laughs> dad, we're peaks and peaks don't litter. <laughs> You're still hearing about it. <laughs> I said, I was like, well, okay, this is organic and I'm feeding the ants. <laughs> the deer. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if they bought that or not. <laughs> well, so. you know, Doug, one of the things I, I like to add to that sense of belonging yes. besides chores and responsibilities is traditions. Oh, traditions. Traditions are huge. Yes. And, and they create a sense of, of bondedness and history and things to look forward to. They, again, they set you apart. They make they you, you special. And we value and celebrate those things together as a family, which strengthens the bond and the sense yes. of belonging, right? Yes. And then children feel valued and needed when they're loved for their uniqueness. Mm -hmm. So every child is different. I don't care if you have 27 kids, they're They're all all going to be different, right? Yes. So acknowledge their individuality and their gifts and talents. Acknowledge their contributions. Maybe you've got an expert in the family who's really good at fill in the blank, right? Mm -hmm. So acknowledge that. And then I always say provide, like I said, hugs. 
sincere welcomes and goodbyes. Mm-hmm. Like you're excited to see them return. Yeah. Not just, yeah. oh, you're home. Yeah. That doesn't create a sense of belonging. Nope. Right? Oh. And then start with and focus on the positive as much as you can. These kids need a lot of encouragement. They need it. Yeah. Yeah. Not Absolutely. false flattery, but encouragement yeah. is a little different. Yeah. And I think that's important with your children is to find things. Your job as a parent is to find things that they feel they have a proclivity for and that you see. And then you just simply say, wow, I really, boy, you're good. That's awesome. You're good at that. Oh, you're better at me than that. And so forth. So because they're not probably as self-aware as we are. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's talk about the last one, which is control. (laughs) A healthy amount. Healthy (laughs) amount of control. Okay. I love those qualifiers because you don't want your five-year-old driving the car. Uh, No. Okay. Talk about healthy amount of control. So this implies that we all have choices, but they're within limits. Okay. So if you have a four-year-old and you want to feed them dinner, how does that, what does that look like? What do you say? You can give them a couple of choices. Do you want broccoli or carrots with dinner tonight? You're going to have milk or water. Do you want your glass filled halfway to the top or all the way to the top? I mean, it can be silly little choices, but a strong-willed kid is going to love that sense of control. And yeah. choices are control, but they're within limits, which makes it healthy. Because yeah. you get to set what those limits are. Because the kid doesn't really know until they're about 12 or 13 that you're the one picking all the options. And, and it's so <laughs> interesting, Doug, how sharing control reduces those control battles and, and power struggles. Yes. And sometimes, like you said, they don't realize it. I mean, I remember one time with one of my kids, they were an adult, and I said, mm-hmm. you can be home at 10 or 10.30, and they're like, uh, 10.30? Because I put <laughs> gave them a choice. Later, they realized, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a second. I'm an adult. I can come home when I want. <laughs> oh, mom is good. Oh, Got to be sneaky. Well, I think one of the things that parents do, they don't realize this, is that what they do is they say, just say yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, because it's like, well, I'm a parent. I set the limits. Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And then they their kids will throw temper tantrums. Their kids will act out in all these ways. And and what happens is is that you 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 say yes or no because you think you're being efficient right yeah. it's like quick but what you're but actually by always presenting options and choices is is much more efficient well it's efficient and it's doing a couple other things if you just say yes or no to things and you're making all the decisions mm-hmm. you're an outside voice outside voice and that kid is learning to only listen to an outside voice and not their own not their inner voice right and you're setting them up for peer pressure okay And yes, no also puts them in fight or flight. So Doug, go clean your room. No. Okay, now we have fight or flight. Yeah. Whereas I give a choice, hey, we're going to clean up your room. Do you want to do it by yourself or would you like some help? They forgot that they're cleaning up the room and now they're thinking about something else. So you've taken them out of fight or flight and you put them in thinking mode. Okay. And you're helping them connect the dots of my decisions have consequences and they either take me down a good path or a bad path. So choices are good. They reduce the power struggle, but they also get kids to connect the dots of cause and effect. And this right here, everyone, I want you to grab a hold of that because that's how character is developed in kids. Yes. That's exactly how it happens is through that process. So in doing that, what you're doing is you are really making uh, a character development a priority. And you're teaching a kid to make good decisions and being more independent, which is our goal that we talked about at the very beginning. So these are the four critical needs of kids, and they are? Security. 
unconditional love and affection, belonging, and a healthy amount of control. (laughs) Well, there you have it, everyone. We hope that uh, this helps you as you begin to think about becoming the parent that we know you can be, and that is the best parent your kid will ever have. This is us signing off. Douglas Peak here and Kim Cross. Thanks for joining us.